0: Hey there, party people. This is Queer Watching. There are two queers coming at you from opposite coasts of the United States, here to talk about all things film and television with a queer lens. I'm Jesse, here with my best pal Brianna, and today we're talking about Shiva Baby, which originally premiered online in 2020 at the South by Southwest Film Festival due to COVID 19, and then was at TIFF for a little bit, and finally was released to the public in a very limited theatrical run, mostly on streaming April 2nd, 2021. So, A little bit old, but here's your spoiler alert for all things Shiva Baby, as well as the short of the same title. It was based off of, it's written and directed by Emma, I think Seligman, I think is how you say their last name. And it seems from some of their identities, it might be semi-autobiographical, but we will get into some of that. Brianna, I made you watch this movie.
1: (laughs) Yes, never would I ever choose to watch this movie.
0: (laughs) Tell me more. How did you feel? Why wouldn't it be something you choose? Go on.
1: Um, because I hate awkward, and I also don't like just building anxiety with no real constructive, like, way of re- of relief relieving it. So it was essentially just, in my opinion, like an hour and fifteen minutes of building anxiety with no talking about why the lack of boundaries was problematic no talking about how they could relieve the anxiety in a healthy way or like anything it was just an anxiety fueled film with lots of awkwardness and yeah i was is not a fan um after reading an article i can maybe see what they were trying to do uh, and again what the director or not the director, the person who wrote the film said was that they really just wrote down every single awkward moment that they'd experienced over years of their lives and put it into a movie to occur in one instance. And so, yeah, that's going to make it the most awkward thing possible. But I was not a fan, not yeah. a fan at all.
0: No, thumbs no. down. Mm.
1: Thumbs down. I-, I,
0: I love this movie and I'll tell you why I picked it. So on our last episode, you were like, oh, no, did we leave off any horror movies? This is a horror movie. I understand that it doesn't fit certain stereotypes, right? There's not, I don't know, monsters, killers, paranormal. But to me, this is a horror movie. Absolutely. mm -hmm. 100%.
1: I agree. I feel like people who live with daily anxiety and porous boundaries with family members would describe their existence as horror. So yes, I think that captured this pretty well. It even says it feels more like a horror film, perhaps because the movie is about the horror of dread and existential variety. And I'm like, yeah, you really did not try to be subtle with that at all. Um,
0: Yeah, the thing to me that is so evocative of a horror film is the music that ever straining plucking it's just the strings as things progress as we shift camera views as we move to room to room and it just starts like crescendoing Mm -hmm. through the movie and there are a lot of things in the movie that add to it like eating gets more aggressive in certain scenes or faster as she's eavesdropping and the incredible use of tension in this movie to Mm -hmm. like move us along is why I like it so much. There are plot points I do not like at all really in this, right? I'm not sure it's the greatest, like, by representation we've ever seen in some of these other things, but how the movie was made is, I love it. That tension is just there the whole time. There is not an, the whole thing is so awkward. And as someone who feels, I'm not sure I'm quite am this awkward, but as someone who feels this awkward, it's very relatable.
1: So once I accepted the fact that I was not going to like this movie, I was like, okay, how can I get through the next hour and 13 minutes of this? Well, um, four
0: minutes, huh? <laughs> That's fair. That's fair.
1: And it was by like looking at it through what I assumed to be your lens. How could I view this as a film? What could I think of the different, like, how could I think of the different things that were done really well to make it art? And once I did that, I was immediately able to see like, even within the hairstyles, because, oh my God, they give almost like every insecure, anxious human being that like slightly disheveled, sweaty, frizzy part down the center that has, no, I, no, it really, it irked me. And I was like, but this was intentional because they could have made her look any other way. And they styled her this way to add to her, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm trying really hard to keep my mouth shut, but also want to burst at the seams look. Um, So once I took that approach, it was, it was better. I could see the art and also to kind of like, spe- I know we're going to go more in depth with the bisexual stereotypes, but this whole movie was a stereotype. And I think that like, not necessarily in a bad way because these things do actually happen. And so I don't necessarily think it was trying to feed into the stereotypes. I think it was just going based off of what a lot of, like what a lot of bisexual people experience when they come out. And that just happens to be very stereotypical responses. So it's not saying that these things are okay, but it's like this bi person's horror is being, having her identity not legitimate legitimized um being called a whore like everything being a quote-unquote home wrecker being everything that bi people try to distance themselves from because it's so stigmatizing yeah was then demonstrated in this movie so i don't think it was necessarily like bad i think this was just very relatable but then on top of everything else it was like cool glad this is our first bi movie that we're watching or where a bi character is the main person, I should yeah.
0: say. Yeah, that's fair. There's been some other things that, yeah, could go either way, but aren't explicitly like, I'm bisexual, like, like she is in, or yeah, like she is in this movie. Yeah, I think on like a broader level, it's pretty relatable for queer people to have that at least anxiety, if not like actual fear of, you know, home for the holidays, or in this case, a funeral or shiva you know there's in some ways you feel like you have to go because there's an obligation but you know you're gonna have to have a lot of conversations that you don't want to have you don't want to answer the entire way that it's being asked doesn't leave room for your answer right there's a lot of that going on in this movie of like don't worry you're gonna find a husband and like everyone's aware that <laughs> that that she's by it seems but also unwilling to move in that like yeah yeah but you'll find your husband which you know then how much <laughs> are they actually listening and on board
1: yeah I mean I feel like this is a perfect demonstration of what we've talked about where like conflict is going to happen no matter what and it will be either internalized or externalized and we saw the main character internalizing a lot of the conflict because there were so many even if someone doesn't ask a question there are so many ways to shut something down but yep. she chose and it could have been because how she was raised within the Jewish culture to and, and re- although it didn't really sound like she was super religious, but like within the Jewish culture of like you don't externalize that conflict. And then when she did, it was in loud outbursts that then made everybody uncomfortable because that's not how you acted as a Shiva. How dare you not be able to maintain the internalization of the conflict? but this is the second time that you've seen this movie. And mm-hmm. so what made you want to watch it again, except for other than seeing me be incredibly uncomfortable?
0: I guess I wanted to see if if it was as good the second time, if it had the rewatchability factor at all. I would say it does. I think I found it funnier the second time, especially because the first time it's, you're a little unsure if it's going to take that hard pivot into a more gnarly horror film right like that scene where the her sugar daddy's wife tries to hand her their baby and she's like no no I can't no I can't no I don't want to and you're not really sure what's gonna happen and then there's a baby in the mix right it feels from the music and the the escalation that like someone could be murdered at any moment kind of Mm -hmm. thing so the first time I feel like I was just trying to figure out where we were going And so the second time, knowing that that's not going to happen and it's just the horrors of distant relatives and having, especially at that time when you're like just about done with college and everyone's like, cool, how are you going to change the world now? Or what's your, how are you going to be successful for the family and bring honor to us all kind of thing. As someone who has like a a similar degree to her, it's like, oh, but gender, but also film, but also history. Like I've got one of those. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard thing to answer. And she has I a mean, verse where she's like, it's a lens. And I was like, oof, relatable, but they are not going to, no one no. wants to hear you went to college for a lens.
1: <laughs> right. But also I feel like, and this is what was talked about in this, in this article, because the reason why I brought up an article was because I'm not Jewish and you're not Jewish. Mm-hmm. And I know there was a movie that was made several years ago. That was about a, like Hasidic Jewish community and the, one of the people leaving it. Um, to go live their authentic life. And there was some, it wasn't super well received in some of the Jewish communities in New York. So I wanted to see if this movie was similar. And that's how I stumbled across this um, article. So that's why I keep referencing it. Um, and it doesn't seem like that's the case. It seems like they agno- acknowledged the, the stereotypes, but that it was used to create this horror. So like, it was okay. And also because they were, like you were saying, it's a little autobiographical. Like a lot of these things actually did happen. But I think at one point during that scene you're talking about, I unmuted because we were watching it together and said, like, I would not be surprised if the wife slipped this girl's throat, yep. Sorry, Casey, um, but because they were pairing the music with it. And I think that that like this to me did not necessarily see like a, seem like a movie we have not seen before. I feel like it is a very tried and true dilemma. Oh, my God, I'm gonna I'm graduating college. What am I going to do with my life? Despite your degree. If you have or despite your major, I should say, if you have a bachelor's in anything, it is very difficult to get a job. It is very difficult to do like the what is going to be next. And so this is a very relatable, oh, my God, where am I going to go uh, storyline? But I have not seen a movie that takes it with the like horror lens. Yeah. So that was cool. I also liked the, like, when she's been stabbed by the screw and then she's, like, playing with her blood. And then we see almost, like, the the schizo break in her eyes. I don't know if you caught it, but when she's in the bathroom, like, it's almost as if she assumes another personality or, like, another persona and becomes, like, sexualized, but, like, in her own way. Um, And you can see how she's, like, changing her hair and changing the positionality and she looks less awkward and all that stuff and i was like oh she's had a little bit of a break there um and then it's brought back to the reality of the hell that she's in which is the shiva and that like then recognizing that it wasn't appropriate to send those pictures it wasn't appropriate to be on her sugar daddy app like all of those things were only realized when she was brought out of that mental state
0: Yeah, I did notice that scene, but I guess I didn't think of it as, like, such a separation from who she was, more that it was another facet. But
1: now that you mention
0: it, that makes sense.
1: Oh, her, like, movements got a lot more, like, like, girl interrupted, I'm having, but, like, I don't know how to describe it necessarily, but she went from, like, moving like a normal person to then all of a sudden being, like, very just, like, aware of herself and kind of, like, stuttering in her movements as she was like recognizing like oh i'm i'm attractive and then she was like let me take it let me like do this thing i don't know that's how i read that scene it seemed very in line with like oh something else is going to happen like i thought she was going to cut herself and play with her blood i thought like it was going to be something more significant and i think that's also what made this movie different from the awkwardness at like say dinner with schmucks Mm -hmm. that is I won't say prior to this movie I would say this movie comes just after Dinner for Schmucks but like the most awkward least favorite movie of all time but they do a relief of the awkwardness and this never really does it just builds on it I feel like you're gonna say oh that tiny little like handhold at the end was the relief. No? Okay.
0: No, I actually think the relief we get are in the silences, which you're right, don't they never stop being awkward, but the pacing does slow down. It does give us a bit of a break. And there are a couple of them.
1: Yes, but that's not what I mean by relief. For me, the thing that like would have made this movie like less awkward and more and like result in a more empowered main character. Is when you have the climax of like, they can't take conforming to these roles, conforming to these expectations anymore. And they stand up for themselves and they stop lying and they start being honest. Uh, like in Dinner for Schmucks, it takes almost to the end of the movie, but then he realized he's being an asshole and he's been an asshole to this person who just wants to be his friend. So he stands up and he starts communicating. And this entire movie, we never get that moment where like, she's like, no. I have been doing sex work on the side because you all have disempowered me my entire life. And I want to feel like I have some control over my life as I enter into real adulthood because you infantilize me so much. And there is no way for me to feel like an adult on top of the fact that I have a degree that is not as usable by the world's view. And like, I'm bisexual. I might not end up with me. Like there were so many things that she could have said and this movie did not bring that relief.
0: Do you think that the character has the awareness that you're talking about, though?
1: I think in a lot of awkward building films, they give a secondary, they bring in a secondary character that helps that main character get to that like aha moment that like just be true to yourself. And the one character that could have been called our main character a fucking whore and then was like, I'm not talking to you. You're chaotic. Like, she also wasn't a very well-developed person, despite being like, oh, I'm going to be a lawyer. And so, no, I don't think this movie ever was designed to give that relief. I think that was the
0: idea between that scene right before the hand-holding scene, when she asks her, like, why do you do it, right? I think that was the idea.
1: Yes, and that reminded me of, like, the scenes that we've seen in movies where like, the love that people try to give is not always done correctly and oftentimes it hurts more than like it helps but then sometimes you get the reprieve and they're like sorry I was being an asshole this is actually what I'm concerned about and they can have that authentic moment so like I was like good I'm glad you pulled your head out of your ass because you're supposed to be a 20 something year old person in New York who should be pretty progressive about sex work so I did really like that authentic moment because I can see that happening in real life
0: yeah, agreed.
1: Is this movie something that, like, brought back memories for you when it comes to holiday gatherings or or things like that?
0: Um, To an extent. My family's not Jewish, so it's a little bit different. There's plenty of passive aggressiveness in this movie, but I would say that my family leans more into passive aggressive and guilt kind of communication mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. other things. I mean, yes, plenty of the family anxiety and like, I love my family, but when everyone gets together and it's not often and, you know, and they try to cram a hundred questions at you at once, you know, hopefully coming from a place of love, it is very overwhelming. It's hard to answer them, honestly, kind of like what I mentioned before, right? A lot of times they're framed in a way that doesn't leave space for how you would answer that question. Yeah. So... My family's come a long way, especially more in the past than now. But, but yeah, some of that anxiety—it's yeah, very, very present. I probably more when I was figuring stuff out than now. I feel like now, you know, I'm pretty open about everything. The so, you know, I've got a beard, so it's not like they can—I <laughs> don't know—pretend, <laughs> you know, and and in other, can't be
1: like, oh, it's just a hormone imbalance.
0: Right. Like if we go in public and they don't use the right pronouns, like they look like the idiot, not me. So (laughs) yes, Um,
1: the reason why I asked is because the actress who plays Danielle is actually Italian Catholic and is not Jewish at all. And, but she was like cast because she could relate to those experiences. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's because I I don't know. I'm not going to say all religions, but when it comes to the word guilt or like I'll say guilt, oftentimes I think of like Judaism and Catholicism as being like the, the pillars of really laying on the guilt. Um, And then I know we've talked as friends about our upbringing and passive aggressiveness and how we're trying to undo that and be a little bit more direct. So I was just curious if there was any scene that was like, oof, I remember having to like do so much work to pivot a conversation. So I didn't have to talk about things I didn't want to talk about.
0: Oh, sure. I mean, the the question that she gets asked the most, I believe, is like, are you dating anyone? Oh, don't worry, you'll find a nice husband, won't you? And so like, you know, mostly in my youth, I would get interesting questions like that, that I was unsure how to answer or, you know, could always just go with a solid no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think the most relatable scene or like maybe emotional, emotional is the better word here, is when like she asks her mom, Are you disappointed in me? And like vocalizing and trying to get that reassurance because she's clearly got her own insecurities of her own. And that was that was kind of sad and kind of touching, right? It it gives the mom a, a little bit of a window into what is going on with her daughter in a mm-hmm. in a way that she has no clue before then in the movie. Like she she keeps yeah. saying, I think she's sick or she she's being weird, but she doesn't really understand what's going on I don't think until that moment
1: I also thought a huge theme was the food
0: yes. because I, oh. I don't know if
1: you got this growing up but my love you mother but my mom's side of the family was really big on always commenting on the way oh my god you've gotten so full oh don't worry that'll melt right off of you oh are you sure you want to eat that have you earned that I'm like praising you if you lost weight and being concerned about you if you gained weight, Um, even though most of my mom's family has really big um, hips and so we're just hippier. And so when they were talking about that, I really, especially because I also know that the main character has the knowledge about why that's wrong. Mm -hmm. And so that was also a thing that I struggled with was like witnessing this person who has this lens then so easily go back to being the child in the family who doesn't have a space to advocate for themselves about like what they've learned and it very much reminded me of the first Thanksgiving I had with my extended family where I wound up like yelling at them because as you might have noticed I do a lot of interrupting I come by that honestly in my family, (laughs) Um, but some of my best friends are not interrupters. And one of my best friends was there at Thanksgiving with me and they were talking over them and all of this stuff and saying horrible things. And I like silenced everybody because I was like, you're not going to interrupt her because I know better now. (laughs) And I found myself just being like, yeah, that." like regression, that's sort of keep wanting to say, that regression back to being a child when you're around family and you don't feel like you can get an, a word in edgewise because almost like the culture of that family was to interrupt and talk over and just like make loud statements. And that was how you were supposed to communicate. And if you didn't, then there was no space for you to say what you had to say or to advocate for yourself. So that was also cringy for me. Yeah,
0: I agree. That was cringy measuring everybody off of their profession and what they're doing after college was also cringy it's something that like I struggle with right not measuring everybody by their job because that's just kind of growing up always how it worked right okay well how are your grades and then where are you going to college okay what are you doing for work like those are the questions that's the trajectory so
1: that is (laughs) unresolved extension or child being extension of the parent issues Mm -hmm. that like yeah we're working really hard to unlearn because our worth is not tied up in capitalism
0: yeah and that's a very tough thing to practice unlearn all the things it's it's so complicated and capitalism essentially affects everything in our country so it's the complete separation is probably unrealistic
1: one of the things I wrote was, like, my tolerance for judginess while sober is very low nowadays. Um, <laughs> I said this as I poured myself more wine because I was like, Ooh, I'm about to start yelling back at this movie. And But I can say now that, like, I feel like I've seen a lot of personal growth in myself since uh, dating my wife because she – if I'd watched this movie with her, the entire time would have been like, this is why boundaries are important. This is why you just say no. This is why you just leave. And I would have been like anxious because she was talking over the movie and I'm like, but you're talking about my life. But then also being like, yes, I 100% see it because she stayed out of maybe like family and cultural obligation when everybody was just disrespecting her left and right and i feel like if i'd watched this movie even like eight years ago i would have just been like yep this is how things are this is what you put up with this is like what to expect when you're with family and now i'm like this is why i bring my wife to family functions because she'll say no for me i did not say it. yeah
0: or why you drive yourself so you can leave whenever you want and you're not at the whim of your parents or whoever and, you know, hopefully that doesn't doesn't work out. But, yeah, I would say this movie is a great example of why I need a good exit strategy at
1: all times. I'm not there yet. I need to have a person who has a good exit strategy so that when I want to leave, I can leave. But, yeah, maybe one day, one day I won't be so passive.
0: We'll both get there. Don't worry. I know.
1: Another great line you're not in our house. You're just on our payroll. There were some gems from like some quick jabs from the parents that I was like, lol, if I had a child, that's how I phrased that.
0: Yes. There are some that go by pretty quickly. Um, there are a lot of conversations that happen really, really rapid fire with the dialogue, mm-hmm. which kind of happens organically when everyone's trying to get a word in or whatever. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. There are some great, <laughs> there's a handful of great one-liners this movie is, yeah, it's funnier than I think it lets on in a lot of ways. It's just that doesn't really cut any of those other tensions. So it doesn't necessarily like feel like the comedic relief that it typically is.
1: If anything, it adds to the tension. Like, I think, what is it that you learned? Oh, that you learned that sarcasm is a form of anger? On the
0: feelings, on the feelings wheel. wheel. Yeah, yeah, it's under anger or, or even like close to violence. And I was like, mm, no no
1: but love in, language <laughs> i'm rolling my eyes but in this movie it really is like none of the things that are said sarcastically are said with like an undertone of love like they're all said to plant a seed of like insecurity in you and be like wait what and then all of a sudden you're leaving this family function super fucking anxious and you're like I don't know why I'm so anxious, but it's because you've been poked so many times. Another one being you look like Gwyneth Paltro on food stamps and not in a good way. It's like, oh, my God, that's savage.
0: It is. Mom coming in with the hard cuts.
1: So that's mean. That's oh, violent. Oh, yes. Jesse.
0: Absolutely. I'm not saying it's not mean. It was also a little funny.
1: It was. <laughs> but that's because it wasn't aimed at you. Correct, mm-hmm. correct. What do you think was my least favorite aspect of this movie? It came in the very beginning.
0: I don't know. I was gonna guess that food scene when the food looks disgusting and they're all eating it really gross.
1: Okay, so that was the end and that was there was just so many
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: ugly scenes. Oh, people, but I'll say scenes. Um, no, it was the sexual use of the word "daddy." I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. I hated it.
0: You know what? I really should have guessed that.
1: <laughs> yeah, you should have, because I because but listeners, I <laughs> that is the word that I I call my dad "daddy" very Ooh, regularly. That? we're
0: adults.
1: I <laughs> uh, no, do not sexualize that because it's not a sexual thing. I also call my mom "mommy" every like. And so I think it's totally fine. And every time, though, I hear it, I'm like, oh, no, thank you. No, thank you. That gave me, like, cringe from the onset.
0: Yeah, there are a lot of really, really cringy moments in this movie. Like, when she meets her sugar daddy, who's at the same shiva. And we should say, we didn't really do a description, but this is, like, a family friend shiva. It all takes place at the same shiva. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's yeah, kind of just takes place in one spot, but she's being introduced to her sugar daddy and she says she's a babysitter and someone is like, oh, well, I'm sure he can help you find a position. And like some of these like innuendos that go by, Mm -hmm. I was just squirming like, oh, oh boy, oh, boy, I I see what you're saying. Oh, boy.
1: (laughs) Right. Yes, it's very, very, very cringy
0: yeah um, the whole but- time and it's i think part of part of it is that it's relentless right you think you finally get a reprieve from like this awkwardness and then you're hit with this awkwardness or like at the very end you have struggled you think it's your escape we're at the car we're just getting people in and then all of a sudden dad offers them a ride and you're like oh good god this couldn't have gone
1: worse but again why do these grown ass <laughs> folks not say we're good we're getting an uber thank you
0: yeah it's that politeness as part of the culture is just prioritized higher than it should be
1: but i also think because the wife again i'm blanking on all the on all the names but the wife of her sugar daddy is not jewish and that was also a theme of like the of her not being Jewish enough, even though her father was Jewish type, like what that was never confirmed, but like she was referred to as a derogatory term for someone who is not Jewish. And I feel like part of her inability to say no, or to hold boundaries came from maybe a desire to be like accepted or like not seen as like the frigid or pushy, non-Jewish woman. Uh so she was like trying to appease these folks. But did you read that? I don't know. You're like, yeah,
0: I felt like they pegged her pretty quickly as girl boss and kind of just left her right there. I do remember the gossip about her not being Jewish. I don't know. Honestly, it's so hard to not think of Quinn from Glee when I look at that actress Diana Agron, because that's what I know her from. But yeah, she's playing a much different character here so
1: I got some of that so you read it as like they were kind of like impressed by her rather than turning their nose up
0: yes I did besides the moms or besides the ladies gossiping because to me the gossip in here is not personal
1: did you google the the phrase that they call her
0: no okay What do they call her?
1: I feel like it's okay to, I don't know. They call her a shiksa princess. And when you Google it, it just says a derogatory term to refer to, uh, or it's an often disparaging, although not always term for a Gentile woman or young girl. So disparaging, not being endearing, being like, you're not, you're not one of us. And they almost exclusively referred to her as that, except for when they were like trying to connect danielle to her for a job so i i read the entire time that she was not welcome that they looked down on the fact that like he was with her and not with a nice jewish woman so that's where i got to like oh i'm going to try my best to appease you all
0: yeah i could see that i could definitely see that i don't know it sounds like her husband's got a pretty good gig it sounds like she's working doing all the working all the everything and he's just eating food with his buds and sleeping around on her so fuck that guy
1: right <laughs> i also don't eat. think i also don't think he was sleeping or eating with his friends i think those were just expensive dinners that he was taking her to
0: yeah i think you're right but okay either way he's yes. not working and supporting yes. his family or like contributing it seems
1: <laughs> and they have two Homes, they have an apartment, a loft in Soho. Don't even get me started about how expensive that is. Even if you bought it back in the seventies when it was not as expensive, it would still be expensive. And then I'm pretty sure this takes place in Long Island. They did not say, and that's probably an assumption of mine, but I feel like having family that lives in Long Island, it's pretty safe bet to assume that that's where they live.
0: Cool. Yeah. I don't know New York, so I trust you. I do think it's interesting that it doesn't end up mattering at all who died. That is not part of the movie really at all. They briefly struggle over a name and who it is. And I think there's a line of like, oh, yeah, she played cards with my grandma. But like Mm -hmm. clearly, clearly our main character, Danny, has no actual ties to this person. So it's not out of a personal connection. It's just family obligation that got her there.
1: Mm-hmm. with her with her bubby who she may or may not have ever met
0: yeah that was lovely.
1: i didn't actually get that
0: yeah
1: <laughs> but i did love the scene where the sugar daddy came up to them after like or came up to danielle and maya and was like trying to have that big dick energy, being like, oh, what's going on here? Your sisters. And like, Ugh, trying to unclear their relationship. And Maya was me. like, I gave her her first orgasm.
0: Hilarious. <laughs> the best response. I think that's the only move there.
1: <laughs> also, that's the type of confrontation that I wanted the entire movie. I just wanted that, like, I'm going to put you in your fucking place. Maybe that'll be the sequel. It'll be a redo of this Shiva. And... Danielle will have gained some confidence in herself to find the balance between not being disrespectful to her family and culture, but also not being disrespectful to herself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I The scene you're talking about, I also had quite a reaction to because he tries to like make these implications that she's like super in love with him. And it isn't just like a job, if you will. He kind of says like, oh, you only babysit one family. Like, you must really be over the moon about that kid. It's like, dude, we know what you're saying and you're gross and no, I don't right. No part of this is her being in love with you. In fact, now that she's learned about you, I think it's just guilt. Like, don't flatter yourself, you're disgusting.
1: Although, what do you then take the, her attempting to give him head seen as? Because I didn't necessarily read it as guilt, but I also didn't read it as like, oh, I love you. I want your penis in my mouth so badly right now.
0: I think I read it as similar to the scene that she had in the bathroom where it almost seems like to get out of this anxiety, she needs to think of herself as sexual or put herself in that sexual place or... I guess like you kind of pointed out, pivot who she is, right? Almost in like a fake it till you make it kind of way of like, if I tell myself and perform like I'm this, you know, seductress or whatever she's going for, then it'll be true or at the very least get me out of this anxiety. It also seems like perhaps she has a pattern of this behavior. I mean, her mom doesn't seem to give her a fair shake, but does make some comments about I don't know. She says a lot of like, be on your best behavior and gives her a look like we all know you get up to shenanigans. So
1: right. They'll like, don't hook up with Maya in front of everybody, which honestly, like, I don't necessarily think that that was from a statement of like, I don't want to see your queerness more of like a, you tend to be sexual in front of people or like maybe not do the the best things during certain situations. So maybe don't do that yeah
0: um, maybe even as simple as impulse control like hey i'm sure that's that seemed word. fleetingly awesome but take a take a tick and make sure that you at least try to think it through a second yeah so one question for you if you have to pick a favorite character in this movie who are you picking
1: the baby the baby was adorable <laughs>
0: the baby
1: although i was confused because i thought that they were saying that they met somebody that was a d character um at the baby's bris and then the baby wound up being female or having a vagina i guess we should say and a bris is specifically the circumcision of a penis so maybe i missed the baby or i don't know i think they were talking
0: about a different bris she had met someone at another baby's bris. Gotcha. Not okay.
1: Your baby. The yeah. presence of a baby was confusing for me because I was like, wait, you had a girl?
0: Fair. The reason it's confusing is because all the other parents there got their shit together and didn't bring their fucking baby to a shiva.
1: Okay. In <laughs> her defense, which again I think was yet another <laughs> instance where they were trying to other the mom because it's expected that you wouldn't bring all the other people were like, why Why is their baby here? Also, who then vomited in the friggin' playroom? Wasn't it another child?
0: Oh, yes. There were, I guess, two other children we really briefly see run through the kitchen that seem to maybe live in the house where they are. I don't know. So okay. I guess some other parents also goofed. But either way, no kids.
1: No kids. No kids. <laughs> exactly.
0: <Okay>. No kids.
1: <laughs> ah, I mean, we should just watch The Incredibles and pretend it's queer and talk about it. Um Okay. I'm sorry, I digress. My favorite character.
0: It could be the baby. That's a decent choice. The baby has a lot of tension from all that crying because it's just it this does. constant background noise and like.
1: <laughs> and it made, it made me be... realize how many times I was just so thankful to not have a child. Love children, love being around them. So thankful I don't have one. Amen. So, but I'm also saying her dad. Because her dad gets to be the dad character who's just kind of like that irritating but like Lewis. goofy yes. Lewis. <laughs> Although their marriage was definitely not a marriage I would want to be in. We didn't get to see a lot of love between the two of them. We saw a lot of irritation and a lot I of great I feel
0: like that was their love language mm. when she they got in the car and she said, I'm gonna kill you when we get home. To me, that was like an I love you. <laughs>
1: And, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, I do not want to be in that kind of marriage. So I guess that's... It's just,
0: I think we're saying the same thing, just different words, slightly different communication style.
1: Are we? (laughs) Or are we saying that someone should go to therapy and work out those deep-seated hatreds towards your husband?
0: I don't think they're deep-seated. I think sometimes in certain relationships, including this one... The only way they know how to talk about each other is through complaining. Mostly true of the mom here. I think when she's saying, she calls her daughter in the briefest of voicemail and it's just like, he's killing me, you know? And it's like, that's just her being like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, this is our life and here's how I've been irritated. But you can, to me, you can tell that they love each other.
1: I still don't think it's healthy, but that's that's just me. yeah,
0: okay. That's just me. That's
1: fair. That's fair. but you are right i didn't get like genuine hatred but i also don't think that should be the only way you talk to somebody that you've spent years of your life with that should not be the only way like we never saw her be like i'm actually very thankful for you to be here she's kind of like you've got alzheimer's you've had alzheimer's since we got married and i was like okay then why did you marry him So I would like to see maybe a little reprieve of that. But I think it also added to the tension and the chaos and also why she wouldn't be looking for a man to marry. Who was your favorite character?
0: (laughs) Um, Maya was definitely my favorite character. You are correct in that she has a scene where she says some not nice things and I don't agree with all of those. Or that quick judgment at all. Um, but kind of for what you pointed out earlier, like she's the only one that comes close to being like, this is how it is when she was like, "Oh, okay, I'm just gonna tell you, we didn't go to prom as friends. <laughs> like, Yeah, and then we had sex after so you can stop with all of this. So yeah, I think she's also the only one that's like, really trying to see our main character, the mom has her moments, but is very wrapped up in the other things going on. So. I'm not saying it's not for like semi-selfish gains as well, but yeah, I I like the Maya character underdeveloped for sure. That's also a fair critique.
1: I say this with the most love in my heart. That is not surprising given that she is the epitome when it comes to looks of women that you find attractive and energy wise. I was like, Oh, this reminds me of certain someone's exes, so I hundred percent get why she would be your favorite character. Not only on looks, but also on the energy that she brings. It's not a bad thing. It's just not surprising.
0: I don't see it anyway. Um, what? So she, okay. <laughs> I mean, I kind of see it. I can kind of, Okay. We can talk about this off pod. Yes. Um, <laughs> she's also from Booksmart, so I I have seen that actress.
1: Really? Probably. Okay. I did think she looked a little bit familiar. What? Yeah. What?
0: She's a very small role. Oh, um, okay. she kind of ends up being friends with Beanie Feldstein's character. She's someone they kind of make fun of at the beginning and then comes around kind of thing. So,
1: what kind of awards do you think this movie would have gotten if it was award season? But like, if you were award person
0: um, and, you, no.
1: and you had to give this movie an award, oh. Probably a technical thing.
0: I think what they do with some of the lighting and cinematography is pretty great here. I think the way it's shot and lit really, really adds to the tone of what's going on. Like, I feel like as things are starting to really start to spin a little bit for the main character, everyone's face gets kind of really red lit and it's almost all mm-hmm. of these like big rounder faces coming down at you so you're almost like you're under attack kind of thing
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah so probably that but
1: I would say music
0: I understand that it's very intentional and does a lot to add to the movie however I think it's almost too repetitive to be something mm-hmm. the academy would ever go for they i feel like they like a moving score a lot more than something this tense and plucky go on
1: excuse me i i did not ask about the academy i said what award would you give okay. and so <laughs> i'm saying i'd give an award for the music because i feel like if you didn't have the music i wouldn't necessarily have felt as much anxiety it's like with jaws yep without that dun 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 You don't like feel as much fear building. Uh, And then you would get a little bit of reprieve, but not that nice, like serotonin reprieve where you can breathe. You're just like, it's like the fake orgasm she had in the beginning. You're like, huh, that's done. Okay, on to the next one. Come on, that was funny. I'm laughing. (laughs) I know, but not audibly. So people can't hear that you think I'm funny.
0: All right. I think that's most of my thoughts on this one. I will say for being a tight 117, it feels much longer.
1: It packs a lot in there. It and just- I think I'm I'm thankful that they didn't make it longer because I feel like it mm-hmm. would have been too long at that high level of anxiety. Yeah. Like I had to decompress after this movie because I was having a great day and then I came upstairs and I was a little angry and a little anxious and a little <laughs> frustrated and i was like god damn it i need more wine so and then i i stooped out but so i think that maybe is the mark of a great movie where it can make you feel the emotions of the characters
0: yeah absolutely and now that we've potted about it hopefully you've processed it just like our main character has clearly processed her whole life <laughs> <laughs> i love you i did uh-huh. it- We usually don't do this here, but I'm going to go for it this time. I'm a big fan of Letterboxed. You know this. Yes. I'm sure people know this. Plug it. Sometimes Letterboxed reviews are just gold. And there's one for this movie. (laughs) It reads, this is uncut gems for hot girls who think considering law school is a personality trait. And I got to (laughs) say, I loved that review. It cracked me up.
1: (laughs) I do get that. I do get that. Which also... Why do we then think that Danielle chose that as her persona? Do we think that beyond being, like, attracted to Maya, which we never really figured out why that relationship ended. That was an unanswered thing. Right. Um, but, like, why she decided to personify Maya when she was doing her sex work.
0: Oh. I guess I read that pretty simply as... She was doing what she was attracted to because she assumed others were also attracted to it. So mostly speaking to how she was missing Maya is kind of why we got that.
1: Mm.
0: What do you think? I, it seems you have a different read.
1: I took it more as like her either being envious of Maya having prospects or perceived prospects, because let's be honest, it is not as easy as, oh, I have my law green Now I'm going to go get a... Job at a super fancy law firm. No, that shit's hard. Um, and you don't normally get an amazing opportunity at a top tier law firm. But like that, that feels more secure and that feels more accomplished and like then gives a better reason for why she's doing this when her clients ask. Like she told her client in the very beginning, like, oh, I'm doing this to save money for law school. But And that lands better because then it can help, it can feed or fuel the male complex to like want to save women or help women. When in reality, she was like, I'm hot, you like to have sex with me, and it's an easy way to make money. Most guys would not be like, yes, let me give you the money then. So yeah, I felt like it was maybe a little bit of envy, and then also a way of which to get her money.
0: I think that's a fair read. It also seems like Maya might be the closest person to her. So even in just like a proximity of like, okay, I can't be me. Who's left kind of way. She's also an option.
1: And they do comment on how they look alike, which talk about some yeah. auto-sexualism.
0: Yep. Yep. That's true. Okay. So as far as bi representation, how did you like that in this movie? We kind of addressed it's some stereotypes and, but what did you think?
1: I think because I didn't like the movie in general, that it was hard for me to like the bi representation also because it didn't go beyond anything but the stereotypes that she experienced that were placed on her as a bi person it also fueled the like chaotic energy stereotype that I feel like typically comes with being bi and so I was not necessarily a fan but I wasn't I wasn't not a fan, I would say because of the bisexual representation, I just wasn't a fan of the movie. I feel like it did nothing for bi people. It just added to the horror aspect. Like, what would be a bi person's hell? Stuck in a family function where everyone constantly erases her identity and puts her into heteronormativity when she doesn't have a voice to advocate for herself. All she can do is run to different rooms, drink wine and shove tiny bits of carbs into her mouth.
0: Yeah, and at a shiva where, where her ex-girlfriend and current sugar daddy are having multiple conversations. And even just someone who like keeps their world separate would be stressed by this, right? As worlds you didn't intend to collide are colliding in front of you against your will.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't think it does anything for us. In regards of like bi representation. Sure. Uh, but I mean, they could have made the movie without the main character being bi. And so I think that is also something. The person who wrote the film is bisexual. Mm-hmm. So I think it's great that we have content written by a bi person to articulate bi experience. Mm-hmm. But it's not what I'm looking for.
0: That's fair. My appeal for this movie is is just Mostly, the cinematic feat that is the music and the tension and the the building to to all of this. it's 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 unique in that way to me, I guess,
1: yeah. And I also do feel like we have to give a nod to the fact that, like it is queerness within another culture and within another religion. And we don't have a lot of films that, explore that or talk about that and talk about like what it's like to have your queerness literally thrown in your face while you are at a morning like ceremony even if it's not someone you actually care about but mm-hmm. like and also a religious like original a religious ceremony so I do think that that makes it a different perspective and I'm glad that it exists but again it did too much for me with the anxiety I was like this is My worst nightmare as someone who experiences anxiety, this is like that perfect horror that I'm like, ooh. Although I would take this over the someone's going to jump out and stab you type horror, because fuck that noise. Absolutely not. I will scream bloody murder.
0: Oh, yeah. This is like a psychological horror type movie. It's not yeah slashery or anything like that so
1: next time again i know i say this a lot but next time i'm gonna google the movies you suggest no 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 synopsis before i'm like this sounds great
0: it's way more fun when you don't that's why i was like don't read my notes on this one
1: (laughs) i feel like i should get to choose the next movie which Uh, i did
0: we can talk about it
1: (laughs) no we know what we're doing next
0: a spoiler alert
1: spoiler alert spoiler alert it's what's coming next
0: (laughs) all right i can't wait
1: Thank you for joining us today on Queer Watching. Feel free to follow us on Twitter at queer underscore watching. And if you want to send us an email with recommendations or feedback or to tell us how much you love us, you can at queerwatching at gmail.com. Again, that's queerwatching at gmail.com. Bye.